Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. and Kyle Kidd, and I'm here tonight to read the news from across this great world of ours. So they pay you to tell stories. I ain't never heard of that as a thing a man can do. It's not a rich man's occupation, as you can see. to Weird West Radio, Rain Man Digital's exclusive Western show where we discuss weird westerns, regular westerns, everything under the sun, as long as it has a western flair to it. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio today with me is David. Hello, David. It's good to be back. All right. If you're new to Weird West Radio, you can find all of our broadcasts, past, present, and in the future, available on iTunes, Stitcher, as well as Spotify. Just search Weird West Radio. Make sure you share those links. Help us trigger those algorithms, and uh, that way we'll be seen by more people. All right. So today we are going to discuss, review, and break down the Western film News of the World. With a running time of 118 minutes and a budget of $38 million. this film has fallen victim, unfortunately, to COVID-19, like every film being released during the pandemic. A movie that was intended solely for theatrical release, but having to change the distro strategy due to these peculiar times, Universal Pictures chose to release both theatrical I should say they chose to release this picture both theatrical and as a video-on-demand rental. Which, come on. I mean, we're talking about a Western, Dave. Theatrical is preferable when watching a Western film like this. Oh, absolutely. I honestly feel after viewing this, this solely was made to be seen in the theaters. Well, you know what? You missed the opportunity. I had invited you, I believe, early on. Didn't I ask you to come to see this yes, with me? Yes, you did. You, yes, you did. son of a bitch. Uh, I had to see this on the screen. And the the funny part was when I watched this, I'm like going, right from the get-go, the first five minutes, I'm like going, Oh no, this, this is actually supposed to be seen in the theater. Just the way it's shot yeah, and the way it's lit. Most Westerns, if you're doing it right, they deserve that big screen. You have to watch it on that big screen. Absolutely. And not just because, listen, I love to watch films that are shot in a large format and just have excellent cinematography on that big screen. But also being a Western fan, I feel the need to always support these films in the theater 
just because we don't always get Westerns. We we're living in a time where what, maybe one or two solid Westerns a year. I mean, sure, we get, sure we get the indie ones, but I'm talking large scale, big budget yeah. produced with big stars with those. It's just not a thing like it used to be in years past. I mean, you had excellent cinematography in this movie. I mean, gorgeous wide shots brought to life by the director of photography, Darius Wolski. Yeah. Just fantastic work. It should have been seen in the theater. It's a travesty. Um, coronavirus, I hate you. <laughs> People should have watched this. I'm sure it's going to suffer. I mean, $38 million is what it cost. I, I believe it only brought in a fraction of that amount. Yeah. And I'm sure the studios releasing this in December were well aware that it, it's go- it was going to be a loss. There's nothing they could do. Either we're going to hold on to this movie until there's a vaccine and, you know, herd immunity sets in and the virus is a thing of the past. Or we release it now and get it out there and make something. All right, so let's get official here. News of the World is a 2020 American Western drama film co-written and directed by Paul Greengrass based on the 2016 novel, the same name by Paulette Giles, and it stars the one and only Tom Hanks and young up-and-comer Helena Zagel. The film follows a Civil War veteran who must return a young girl who has been taken in by Native Americans. Because her family was killed. Now, News of the World was released theatrically by Universal Pictures, which I had mentioned a few moments ago. In the United States on December 25th, it was a Christmas release and was released by Netflix and other international territories on February 10th, 2021. Uh, it received positive reviews, mostly from critics who praise Hank's performance, as well as the young up-and-comer Zangel's performance which I thought was fantastic. And we're going to talk about her a little bit later in the show. My God, that child was good. Yeah. And that was honestly the one thing I went into this movie. I was dreading because when you put, when you put a child (laughs) actor in that spotlight, it's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. And when they miss, it can be really detrimental to the film, but she was just stellar. Like she worked unbelievable, unbelievably well across Tom Hanks. Yeah. And I was very, at the end of the day, I was very impressed with what she was able to do. And honestly, I think she was, uh, I think she got uh, nominated for a Golden Globe, I want to say. Yeah. I be- yeah, I believe so. Yeah. It's well-deserved. Uh, hopefully when the Oscars come out, she gets nominated for an Oscar because I honestly feel like her performance warrants an Oscar nom. Yeah. It was fantastic i mean she carried entire scenes the reason why she's so good is because she doesn't need to talk even though she did have a lines but listen acting isn't about talking yes it's about acting and it's about all the the emoting that you can do and and whether or not we believe what you're feeling and thinking or can we decipher and interpret what you're thinking and every moment that the camera sat on her you could feel what she was thinking and that's hard to do. Many times yeah. it takes actors years of training to really, you know, harness that type of skill level. And we're dealing with a child here who hasn't had those years to do that. So she obviously has natural talent. Yes. And like every single time that 
there was a moment when the camera would fixate on her. She she had this weird like charisma that I imagine like old older actors would have like to the point where you see like almost a painting quality Mm -hmm. when she's on screen screen and she's she's staring at the camera Mm -hmm. uh, or I want, I'm not going to say staring actually at the camera, but staring at the audience. There's almost like this true, true charismatic art feel that she has. Yeah. No, you're right, Dave. And many times kids don't have the gravitas to, to demand the screen. And she has screen presence, which is very rare for a young actor to have. So she did a great job. I said we were going to talk about her later in the show, but hey, we just got right into it, which is fine. Because, uh, listen, she was great. So this was a movie, believe it or not, Dave, that did go under my radar up until it was released. Usually I'm pretty good at keeping up on Westerns and when they're going to come out because this is what I do. I'm a Western fanatic. I host a Western show. Um, And it wasn't until it was promoted during the holiday season that I looked and like, oh, look, Tom Hanks. Is it a Western? Is it a Western? (laughs) Yes. And I pointed at the screen and my son just looked at me when I saw the trailer and he's like, what? Who's Tom Hanks? And then all of a sudden you go, what? (laughs) What? And possibly the reason why this went under the radar for me was because it was being promoted during the holiday season. And most of our listeners know, Dave, that we are very busy around the holiday season because we're getting ready to close the network down for for our holiday break. Yeah. And and if you throw the throw what's going on with the pandemic and everything. Yeah. It's a lot of movies suffered promotionally. Proper promotion. Proper promotion. And this is a this was actually a clear cut example of that with News of the World because normally if you have a Tom Hanks film coming out you get like press releases right. people get it set because usually that means that it's Tom Hanks going for an Oscar mo- moment right so you have like maybe three four five months in advance that they're going to say hey this movie's coming out this movie with Tom Hanks is coming out and. You're right. The promotion for this only happened maybe two to three months prior to the release. Yeah. And maybe they weren't quite sure what was going to go down in the way of distribution. Maybe that's why. Maybe they're still trying to figure it out. Should we hold on to this? Or should we say, you know what? Let's drop this on December with five days left in the year so we can get that Oscar nomination at least. Let's make the best of a bad situation. Yeah, Maybe we're not going to make our money back, but at least let's turn this into an Oscar piece. So who knows? Um, You know, the sad thing is, is that <laughs> the fact that it went under the radar, I believe our PR agency had even offered us screeners during December, and I had just ignored it. <laughs> because I didn't know it was a Western it that was, was starring Western. Tom Hanks. I didn't even know it was a Western. I'm like, news of the world. What the fuck is this about? It, the title doesn't really sound like a standard Western. So I just ignored it. And then after the, we were sent the, after the screens were already sent out and the embargo was lifted, I realized, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like Tom Hanks. He's, I admire him because he has staying power. Yes, he does. He has an extensive body of work and he's good at what he does. And when I say he has staying power, Dave, a lot of people don't realize because we don't stop and think about it. 
most actors have a shelf life of maybe four to six years. Yes. They have a great run. Maybe they're in about a half a dozen films, maybe more. And then they age out. They can't get cast in the same pictures. They go to television, perhaps, which is okay nowadays. They do a few low budget films. Either they go back and work a day job and they quit acting or they go into obscurity and maybe come back in another 10 years. But the Toms, both Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise have this staying power. Yeah. And not just, hey, we're doing shitty movies. Most of their movies, I'd say nine times out of 10, their movies are pretty fucking solid, too. Yeah. They'll they'll have a dud as a rarity. And, and there's some that I'm just not keen on it doesn't mean it sucks it just means hey it's not really my thing yeah but like when it comes to i i think it's kind of like that old it's it's honestly a lost art when it comes to actors with staying power because you know like in the back like film history wise you you look back in film history and you see some actors have 10 20 30 years of 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 acting experience and yeah. like complete work. Like you get those John Wayne's, you get the, you get the Humphrey Bogart's, those a classic actors. Yeah. Sean Connery to stars, stars. Yeah. Start true celebrities, true stars, still celebrity stars. And nowadays it kind of is muddled. It, it, you can't see us. Uh, you can't see a celebrity that actually has that type of charisma where you go. He's, he's, he's a mainstay. It, well, he's a, a milestone. I think a lot of it is indicative of the market being so split between streaming and movies yeah. and network television. There are so many actors doing great work right now, but none of them are catching enough of the market so that people pay attention because it's so split. And and the weird part about with, especially with Tom Hanks is he is probably one of the most beloved people in Hollywood. I mean, if you think about it, anything that Tom Hanks does, he's safe. He is safe. Yeah. And everyone constantly, he's almost kind of like that elder statesman of Hollywood now mm-hmm. where everyone like goes, oh yeah, if Tom's doing it, everything's fine. It's okay. There's nothing, no, no scandals going to be involved. And it's amazing. He's never worked for Disney because I, I would think Disney exactly. would love him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then like, you know, when a scandal does happen, like the biggest scandal that Tom Hanks ever did was he was one of the first people that ever got recorded having, having, uh, the, uh, COVID-19. Yeah. He was one of the first ones. And when it did, everyone stood up and paid attention because when it happened, everyone kept looking at me saying, Oh my God, do you know, did you hear about Tom Hanks? Did you hear about it? I'm going, yeah, he got it. (laughs) It's amazing what his name and what kind of like his reputation has been built up to this point where even if he does a dud and I'm sure, I'm sure people will point out, well, Tom Hanks had this and it was a box office blunder. Yes. He'll have it, but people will still say, you know, in that box office blunder, he still was the shining point of the movie. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I believe is staying power and, you know, the ability that he, who knows why a lot of it has to do with the fact that yes, he's a talent, but also it comes down to management. You know, they're they're choosing the right projects for him. And I'm trying to get to a point here. I'll get there. Eventually (laughs) he chooses projects that work for him. 
Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of actors don't do. They always try to go outside the, their sandbox, their little play area. And I understand why. And it it does work for many actors to try to explore new areas, different types of characters. Uh, Tom Hanks stays, for the most part, within his wheelhouse. But for me, Tom Hanks' best work is when he chooses to be a little more risky with the role, like a picture like this. This isn't, this isn't the standard Tom Hanks picture. No, no. And one of my favorite films, my absolute favorite films from Tom Hanks is Road to Perdition, where yes. he plays a mobster. I like those roles that are a little more complicated. They're not just the, hey, I'm a good guy. I'm all American. He's playing something a little different. And this is where this character comes into play. The character he plays uh, was a Kyle Kidd. Uh, he did a great job. It was the right project for him. Uh, it felt a bit different, yes, for him. And not just because he wore a cowboy hat and a gun, but there was a noticeable difference in his performance. There was a, a, a hint of sadness that was just below the surface that really helped with his story arc and the overall narrative of the piece. Also, his demeanor and screen presence brought a type of civility that worked in conjunction with the theme of the film. Yeah. I mean, we are dealing with a, a fractured society. This is a post civil war picture. So the director at Hanks is working with all types of different avenues of broken, you know, broken things, broken relationships, grief, loss, broken lives. And I believe it was, it's my belief that the director, Paul Greengrass was purposely working to highlight the parallels of post civil war with our current, social climate absolutely and it worked and it wasn't blatantly political nor were there any moments that felt like soapbox moments green grass went with an air of diplomacy at a level that worked with hank's performance of civility and despite dealing with a very complicated time there weren't any moments that felt like the director was blatantly pointing a finger at any one group yeah well that was the beautiful thing about also tom hanks's character is like never Never in the film, when when I when I watched it, did Kid ever choose a side? Did you ever notice that when when he's telling his stories and people are getting ramped up, he's the voice that basically quiets the room and, and basically says, "My favorite part, one of my favorite parts." And, but you know why, Dave? You know why? What was his role in this movie? To read the fucking news. To read the news, and like he he literally controlled the room. And basically would tell people, hey, we all are in a terrible situation. That's just what we were put in. And I love the fact that his character, that was the kind of like continuity type of moments that that character had where he was that steadying rock. Even though, like as you get along through the film, you realize that even though he's that steady rock, that rock has many cracks. And it's been worn. It has been worn down. And then when he gets to that breaking point, it it's so, it's, it's so rewarding. It's rewarding, but it's yeah. also really depressing seeing, seeing the character fall. Yeah. Because like you, you feel sorry for that type of character because like he's been that steady rock for everybody, but there's no one to steady him. Yeah. You're right. There's a, there's a nuance to his, his performance in the way of sadness and the fact that he's broken. 
And again, using those elements to help with the narrative work, because this is and we're going to get into this a little bit later. This is a I'm very hesitant to call this a political piece, but because it is, but it's not. The normal viewer could go into the theater, sit down or stream it, sit down, watch it and say, oh, okay." so he reads the news and he uh, takes a girl to her family, protects the girl and protects the girl. It's a, a journey, an adventure story of sorts. Sure, that's the plot. But if you are watching the movie, you'll quickly realize that it's more political than the previews uh, allude to, <laughs> allude to and even the plot itself alludes to. And I, I really dug what they did because it was more of an objective approach. Many times we get these pictures that want to say something and they take complicated they take the complicated and turn it into something superficial just so yes. they can say something was bad when it's clear that said bad is bad. We don't need you to continue to say it. And sure, the director highlights certain factual atrocities, but for the most part, it was a very objective piece. And I think um, that was part of the theme was to stay objective. Yeah, because because, again, what is. Tom Hanks's character do he reads the fucking, fucking news. news I feel like he was also making a statement on our current state of our news yep all right Dave so give me your initial thoughts on this film my initial thoughts for this film I was really psyched with it because I love Tom Hanks's performances I'm a big fan of Tom Hanks so when you told me that we're uh, if I would like to cover this First thing I actually thought of, it's a Tom Hanks film. Of course, yes, absolutely. And then on top of that, you have Tom Hanks in a Western, which I thought I would never see because that is such a leap for that type of character, for that type of actor. Because I would never have thought of Tom Hanks in a Western at all. So the fact that he was going to do one, I'm like, okay. I hope that basically the the script then and the writing is up to par for a Tom Hanks type film. And sure enough, all my all my worries, even down to the, the my concerns about having a child actor be the secondary uh, secondary co-star, all that was just washed away by the end because I was like going, this was a really fantastic film. Visually, it was stunning. Down to editing, lighting, and even the score. Everything was, this was an Oscar-worthy movie. And the fact that it's a Western just made me even more giddy because it, it makes me happy to see that there there's still films out there that can take a genre like the Western and make it into Oscar-worthy material. And... It's it's kind of bittersweet because just like what you alluded to, I think people look at this movie and kind of downplay it a little bit and haven't given it its due when it really should. Well, I think on at the surface, it's it's very simple on the surface. On the surface, yeah. Because, again, if you're just watching this as a popcorn movie, it is simple. But it's what's not said. Mm-hmm. That is uh, is where you find the real value of this movie, yes. and it's and it's saying a lot. 
there's so many layers that are going on here down to various political statements, down to various psychological statements being made about how to handle grief, how to handle um, the loss, how to handle the loss of someone you love, or even like how to deal with trauma. And how to deal with people who have opposing ideology in a civil manner. In a civil manner. And then when civility doesn't work, you can pull a gun out and shoot them. You throw that all that (laughs) you throw that into like a blender of filmmaking that 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 could easily that could easily be a mixture of disaster. Absolutely. But amazingly, Greengrass and Hanks and the, the, the team behind the movie put out one heck of a gem and suffice to say is like at the end of the day i really feel like more people should uh, watch this film yeah i like your thoughts dave very thought out concise very much on par with mine and that's why i like it if you had an opposing ideology when it comes to this movie i probably would have shot you (laughs) you would just pulled out the gun (laughs) i learned nothing from watching this movie let's get a little deeper into it the backdrop of the film was unique Number one, and that's always a big win for me. Having our protagonist be a newsreader was something I've never (laughs) seen in a Western before. Have you? No, I had to look up in my research for this film. I had to look up and see, is this legit? Yeah, so did I. uh, Is this how they did the news back in the history? And sure enough, yeah, this is how they would get the history across the states during that time because – Illiteracy was rampant yeah. around that time. No one knew how to read. Well, also, Reading was a, almost like a luxury. And also you're dealing with a post, you know, post-war. Uh, the system has fallen apart. How do you get news? How do you uh, disseminate news properly? So it does make sense. And when you're dealing with Westerns, Dave, I mean, it's hard to bring something new to the genre. Let's be honest. I yes. mean, it's a genre that's been yeah, bled dry during certain decades and listen i say that as a negative because i know how the genre worked in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s but listen i i love them i'll watch westerns until i die you know i i love western films but that being said the fact that they were able to bring something a little new to the idea or i should say to the genre was an intriguing aspect the the newsreader element really worked for me this unique vocation was also used to further an idea or theme for this film as we had alluded to at the top of the show for example and and not to get overly political i think most people can agree we are currently living in a time that many would say it's hard to uncover facts um, that's one of the biggest problems many people are having. Doesn't matter what side of the fence you are on when it comes to political things. Uh, with all the news outlets that have turned into opinion pieces, we are left sorting through facts or opinion or maybe even blatant propaganda, which is actually an element in this movie. There's a scene where one of the, you know, pieces of shit of the movie essentially tell they write him news. Yes. And tell him to read this to the people because he wants to maintain control, control over the town. Yeah. 
so the idea to have our character read news was an interesting way to show that the people at this time were not necessarily privy to facts and information is obscure blah 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 what is the truth how do we find it and how do we reconcile that with how we feel and what are being fed and for whatever reason whether it be due to the inability to read as you had mentioned dave many folks were illiterate for various reasons and some were preoccupied with trying to earn a living and survive post-war they didn't have time to read in fact there was a moment in this movie where a guy specifically says that we don't have time to read. You got to work. You got to work. Yeah. You know, and that's an, the element that really came through. Those parallels were the strength of this film. There was the, the subtleness, Dave, because none of this was being beaten over the head, over your head. Yes. And that's why I fucking loved it. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I loved the fact that when I look back at this film, there's so many messages that were being said, but they were done in a subtle and concise way that it didn't feel like just like what you alluded earlier, that Greengrass was pointing a finger at the audience because that's bad soapboxing. Nobody wants to go to a movie and feel like you're pointing at them and say, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. You should think like this. Even if I agree with you, I don't want you telling me how I should think. It's, it's all about subtlety and not taking away from the story. And in fact, that the way he made those elements so subtle strengthen the what's what people have dubbed a simple story right and it strengthened it i mean like my that whole scene when he when he's told to what you said is like read what they write for the news yeah and all of a sudden instead of that he ends up reading a different newsletter to incite the crowd to stand up yeah and it and it, I fucking what a I, powerful scene. It man. was such a powerful scene. Yeah. And I was like going, this is better than if Tom Hanks pulled his pistols out and shot the uh, shot the leader of the town. This is how this is like showing how powerful words can be more than a bullet. Yeah. Because like he essentially News, used he didn't facts he didn't is he didn't, more powerful than a bullet. Exactly. And he didn't even have to lay one hand on the guy to hurt him because at the end of the day, he took, he, he used the power of his words and the truth powers of the power, the power of truth to actually destroy the villain. Yeah. And as you said, Dave, I mean, this is all subtle. It's all within the subtext. And you have to watch and pay attention to really notice these themes seeping through. And I really dug it. I really dug the film's objective approach. I mean, we live, Dave, as we all know, we live in times of hyperbole and narrow-mindedness. And we seldom want to view things from a more empathic angle. Yes. We like to paint with a large brush at times. But the truth is in the details. And it's up to us as individuals seeking truths to explore those details. Yeah. And that's what this movie really does the right, does correctly, I should say, does really well. And through all of this, we get a story of a man that is searching for a type of peace, searching for a way to heal and bring normalcy back to his life after the war. I just feel like it was a fantastic reflection of our contemporary society. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I thought that it would have been really easy 
for the story just to go into this mundane tale of a guy that gets attached to the child. And in the very end, he brings the child home a la searchers. Yeah. Right. Which, it, by the way, there was a frame that oh, was. Oh, you saw too? Dude, it was like the searchers, oh my God. dude. I got so, I got so giddy. <laughs> so did I. When it was she awesome. was standing there, I'm like going. Oh my God, it's, it's, it's a frame of the searchers. Yeah. Ford, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like going, it, it could have been very easy for the film to copy that and say, that's us paying homage to the old West. Yeah. Yay. No, they ended up actually taking that element and giving us a character drama. Oh yeah. In a Western. And I love it when they, you can, don't get me wrong. I love Westerns like the, like what you said, like the 60s and 70s, the exploitation ones, the bang, bang, oh, yeah, fun, right? Absolutely, yeah. You're not going to get character development in some of those. Wait, what did you say? You're not going to get character development oh, like this in, the time, in no. those. Yeah. But like when you get to actually see someone take the genre of the Western and actually do it like this, yeah. oh my God, it it's a rarity. It it's really an absolute is. rarity that needs to be cherished. Yeah. I feel like this might be, and maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a Western fan, but I feel like this might be Paul Greengrass's best film. If you go through his, his work, he's done quite a bit since the eighties, but they're mostly smaller projects, TV movies, TV uh, episodes, uh, a couple documentaries here and there. The tough one his, that you, would- his big picture, I would say is, um, his first big picture was the Bourne supremacy. Yeah. And then he did United 93, the Bourne ultimatum green zone. Captain Phillips was a big one. Uh, Jason Bourne 22 July, which was a Netflix picture, I believe. And uh, he's getting into a political stint here because his next picture is 1984. And we all know what that is based on. <laughs> yes, we do. So, yeah, he's getting political, but li- listen, man, honestly, 1984 for me is like, listen, you better know what the fuck you're doing if you're directing a movie like 1984. Yes. Oh, no, absolutely. You know what? After watching the objective approach to politics in this film, I have a feeling that he will do really great with 1984. I hope so, too, because like it'd be very easy. 1984 is one of those. One of those pieces of literature work that I always say it's really easy if you were to translate to film to fuck that up. Oh, yeah. Many people have tried. Many people have failed. I believe there's a TV show right now on Peacock. I want to say that does that's that's doing 1984 and I heard it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. Why? I, I think it's on the because, NBC, NBC streaming service. Because people focus too much. Oh, no, it's, the, bra- it's Brave New World. Brave New World. Yeah. But like what, I, what I've noticed whenever I see like people try to translate 1984, they try, they focus way too much on the message. Yeah. And not let the story tell the message itself. Listen, you have to devise a story and then your message or theme or whatever you're trying to say needs to be interwoven into the story. But that cannot be your actual story. Otherwise, it feels schlocky and And, cheap and cheap. And that's what uh, that's what they need. That's what you see here in uh, news of the world is that subtlety. 
And dude, I would have to, uh, I'd have to agree with you that I'm a big fan of his work on uh, the Bourne series. Uh, you know, I, I checked out after I think the first three, so I don't think I've seen his. Yeah, and uh, he, I'd oh, have he, to he did say, the recent one, Jason Bourne, Jason 2016. Bourne. I have to say that basically, this is probably the best I've ever seen someone take a subject matter that he was tackling and interweave it in a story that was very simple but make that story flourish because of using using the strengths of subtlety yeah to t- tell his message and that is what's really needed if he is going to tackle 1984 yeah he needs to copy what he did here well he also wrote this as well he was the screenwriter and even the script, which, listen, you may think, well, of course, the script's good if the movie's good, but that's not always the case. Not you can have, the there are some Daniel Day-Lewis movies, for example, that I feel are good movies because they're well-directed, and a lot of that may have to do with the fact that he's just a fantastic talent, and as I've said numerous times, I could watch Daniel Day-Lewis watch Paint Dry and probably be entertained because exactly. he's just one of those actors but he's been in movies where the scripts are just like awful. Uh, uh, like um, the oil movie. I did not like that. Um, what was it called? There will be blood. There will be blood. I love that movie. Very well directed. Uh, the script I did not like. Um, Lincoln was awful. But Lincoln was awful script wise. <laughs> awful. It was horrible. It was an awful movie. But he is what kept me entertained. Yeah. Because this this movie here benefited from from good acting, good directing, and a well written script. This is in a lot of ways a textbook script. You have a, a a wonderful inciting incident. You have your first act and second act. They're very concise act breaks. You can pick them when they appear, which is what I look for. And I think that that ultimately helped with a movie that was a tra- I call them traveling movies. I know that's not the proper name for them where the entire movie is. All right, we're going to get from A to B to C to D. And along the way, we're going to run into to some Indians and then we're going to run yeah. into some road bandits. They're going to run into the prostitute house. Typically, I'm not a big fan of those types of movies or Westerns. I find them boring. Uh, And also when characters appear and then leave, I feel like that's weak writing. But the way this was done, because it was so nuanced and focused on the two leads. it, It didn't matter. It worked really well. And the entire script flowed. So the cast it was rounded out with a few familiar faces for the most part. I'd say 90% of the movie was Helena Zangle. I hope I say, I'm saying your name, right? Uh, Helena Zangle and Tom Hanks, but there was another actor that made her appearance. What was her name? Forget her name. Elizabeth Marvel, who had a very small role, but I think outside of Tom Hanks, she might have been the the most well-known face, correct? Yes. 
there wasn't a lot of big names in this picture. And I, and I feel like with a movie like Tom Hanks, is, is he ever in one of those? He's very seldom in those ensemble casts with, with a lot of big names. It's usually of, him. Yeah. And this is actually one of the ones where the cast is very low key. Like you, you have like, don't get me wrong. The actors behind Helena and, and Tom Hanks, they have some experience. No, they're all good. They're all good. And they have a very vast amount of experience, but they, they do not have the, the name power that a Tom Hanks is. And star this power, is yeah. the, the star power. And normally when you would see like a movie like this with a major name, say it was like Denzel Washington, you would get like maybe two or three other well, stars. We'll look at it. shitty magnificent seven. Yes. <laughs> you would get, you would get like two or three uh, other stars in it. Tom Hanks. I think the, I'm trying to think of like movies that he shared major. Uh, I mean, you had the one with DiCaprio, but that's also before he was super big. Yeah. You have saving private Ryan. That cast was huge. That cast was huge. When you take a look at it and like, you realize that, wow, all those actors were in Saving Private Ryan down to Matt Damon and, and Vin Diesel. <laughs> and then, um, but besides those anomalies, Tom Hanks does not usually go into major ensemble pieces. It's usually something that is solely centered around one character. Yeah. The script was obviously written for that, you know, for a, to be Tom Hanks and the uh, Helena Zeigel to be the the focus. I mean, the story was about the uh, the we, overt story was about them. Yeah, it was them, them, and, and not and that that was the weird part. And I, I feel mean, like if you would have brought in faces, more faces throughout. Um, that stuck around more than just for a few moments, it would have distracted from the relationship that the writer, that Paul Greengrass wanted to build between the two of them. Yes. In order for us to believe how the movie was going to end, and I don't want to get in too much spoilers, but in order for you to believe it, you, you didn't need those distractions. We needed to spend 90 to 95% of the time just on them. We yeah. needed to see their relationship grow. We needed to see them rely on each other. Um, build loyalty and um, trust. Th these are things that wouldn't have worked as well if we had a cast that interfered yes. with those moments. Oh, absolutely. Because like, I honestly think, I don't think it would have affected Tom Hanks's performance, but I do think it would have taken away from Helena's story. Well, just yeah, right. It would have disrupted the narrative. It would have taken away from that bond that we needed to see. Yeah. We needed to focus on that. All right. So as I was mentioned, the box office, Dave, didn't do as great as it probably would have. Uh, in fact, this probably would have been a big hit at the box office if this wasn't, you know, the era of the pandemic. I mean, you're dealing with a Tom Hanks Westerns. Westerns led by big names usually turn quite a profit, especially with someone like Tom Hanks. Yeah. People want to go see a Tom Hanks film. Plus, you're going to get the Western crowd show up. Uh, the budget was, what was it, $35 million, I believe, was the budget. 
Is that what I had said at the top of the show? I believe so. 38 million. 38 million was the budget. 34 of that probably went to Tom Hanks. <laughs> so stupid. The budget was 38 million and it didn't make that much money. Uh, in the United States, News of the World released alongside Wonder Woman 1984, Promising Young Woman, and Pinocchio, and was projected to gross around $4 million from 1,900 theaters in its opening weekend. The film made $1.5 million on its first day and went on to debut to $2.3 million, finishing second at the box office behind, behind Wonder Woman 1984. Which would have been, honestly, that, that type of number would almost be a box office bomb. Oh, no. It, it, in a normal circumstance. Oh, what, not almost. That is that is a bomb. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. It had been a bomb. Yeah. What? A, that's so sad. I understand a lot of these directors aren't about the money, especially Paul Greengrass. I mean, if he if he was about the money, he probably would have made another uh, Bourne film. That's where he's going to make that big fucking fat paycheck. Yes. This is probably a bit of a passion project. The fact that he was involved in writing this, it wasn't part of a franchise. So maybe the box office isn't something he had really cared for necessarily. But listen, it would have been nice. I'm sure it would have been nice for this movie to be seen by more people because just the way the way it is now, this movie probably probably will never be seen by as many people as it would have been. No. And that's a little disappointing, I'm sure, as a creator. Yeah. And an artist. You want people to see your work. Now, Now, on the flip side, though, the fact that it ended up in second. That's the second number. That's the second biggest yeah. behind a, a, what was dubbed a, you know, a glorified home run, regardless of what it was going to do in wonder woman Yeah, to end up in second behind that, that is not that bad. You know, when you take a look it, yes, the number we wish it could have been bigger, well, when you take into account everything that's going on in the world and we're living in crazy times, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. But like if you – on the flip side, this is kind of like looking at the positive. <laughs> kind of like trying try to take it into a positive light. I honestly think if like if it was normal, this would have been a huge hit. Yeah. I mean you are looking at something that could have easily, easily crushed the budget. Yeah. The budget number. Okay, Dave, so we need to go to a very quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to get into our final thoughts as well as some critical response. We'll be right back. Weird West Radio will be right back. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free 
free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Weird West Radio, your favorite Western podcast, starring me and guest starred by David. Hello, David. Hello. All right, so the critical response, the review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes reports that 88% of 241 reviews of the film were positive with an average rating of 7.4 out of 10. The website's critics Consensus reads, News of the World takes a slow but absorbing ride down a comfortingly familiar western trail. Guided by Tom Hanks in peak paternal mode. That's very simplified. It is. According to Metacritic, which sampled 45 critics and calculated a weighted average score of 73 out of 100, the film received generally favorable reviews. Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of B+. On an A plus to F scale. For IndieWire, David Eldridge gave the film a grade of B and said, if Greengrass is broadly entertaining, if gallingly relevant film is a bit too soft and spread thin to hit with the emotional force that it could, so much of its simple power is owed to the grounded nature of the director's approach. Simple power, which allows these desperate characters to feel as if they are trying to escape the very genre that threatens to define them forever. That's it. That's a, the, the, <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude. I think he was smelling his own farts. Yeah. All right, Dave, that's enough <laughs> from those assholes. All right. So let's move into the saloon. It's that time, Dave. We're going to kick open those saloon doors. We're going to say hello to uh, Elizabeth Marvel, who is uh, working as a prostitute over at the bar. Hello. (laughs) Wink, wink. I'm going to see you later. (laughs) All right, Dave. We're belling it up to the uh, we're belling up to the bar. We have some shots of whiskey. Go ahead. Give me your final thoughts and your RMD score. Final thoughts. I'm going to start with my score. I am giving this a solid 90. It's a very good film. I, as I said earlier, was pleasantly surprised. I went in with low expectations, but afterwards I was like going, why did I go in with low expectations knowing that, number one, this film was geared to be an Oscar-worthy film, and it is Oscar-worthy. Tom Hanks' performance is fantastic, but then shock and awe. Helena uh, Helena Zengel's performance blew me blew my mind because not only did did she have to deal with a character that doesn't speak, but she also had to deal with a character. Her only dialogue is in a is in two foreign languages, not one. Yeah, two. Yeah, she had to speak. Native American, and she had to speak in German. Uh, David, Native American isn't a, a language, Dave. so um, it's a it's a okay. That that's probably a, a bad a thing to say. Ethnicity, a race, if you will. <laughs> but she had to she had to speak in two separate foreign languages. I believe it's Kyota. Is that what it was? Kyota, Kiowa, Kiowa, yeah. Kiowa. And I was I was very impressed that she 
made it look so natural for her character because I was expecting something very, very harsh and very jarring, especially acting, uh, asking that of a, of a young actor, uh, actor. Yeah. No, and I she agree. Knocked it out of the park. And then on top of that, her presence absolutely blew my mind because every time the cinematographer, and this is partly on the cinematographer too. Mm-hmm. Every time she was on the on the screen by herself and she'd have the frame by herself. I'm not kidding. I have gone to galleries of like fine art and I've seen frames like that of and I could picture her character in those in those frames in a gallery. It's just gorgeous. She has a presence to her that basically I'm really excited to see what she does in the future because she could she can she can really keep on going keep on going and see where she can be in like say 10 years i think she has a viable career ahead of her absolutely yeah and then of course there's tom hanks who i think will never will never age (laughs) well he's kind of always been old huh he's he's one of those guys that just looks like a dad forever yeah even in uh what was that show he was on um where he was a he dressed up as a girl. Oh, uh, with my best. Uh, is it like best buddies? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, even in that one, he looked like he looked like a dad. He looked like a dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave. So your score is ninety. You said a ninety. Yeah, I give this an eighty-nine percent. I I felt like it was a strong movie, a very well put together western with. A definitive intent, and that's what I look for in in any movie I watch. Like, what are you trying to say? And that's something you and I talk about a lot on this network uh, when we discuss television and movies. Like, that's fine and good. I I like that you have a story here. I like that this is about a person on a wagon that's taking a girl to see her family, and also trying to protect her from road bandits and and Native Americans. But what's it about? about yes and i feel like paul greengrass had a definitive thought and he worked his ass off to maintain objectivity tell things as they are stick to the facts i enjoyed it and i'm hoping helena zagel tom hanks in my opinion has has performed better in pictures he did a great job but i'm not quite sure if he'll be nominated for an oscar for this he could, and I wouldn't, I would not. Bad eye. Yeah. But honestly, I have to say the breakout of this picture is Helena Zeigel. Yes. And if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I'm going to fucking scream foul, foul ball. <laughs> she was that good. Uh, yeah, 89%. A good old fashioned, it's a good old fashioned Western as well. Yeah, which is cool because yes, you're you're saying you have a political message there, but at the same time, it's not really a, a revisionist western. This is no. a true western. A true of, western. Yeah, a true western that would feel like it belongs during the days of John Ford and and John Wayne. Yeah, and it has those really cool epic moments. I'm sorry that that fight scene. Among the mountains, yeah. With the other, with the three uh, guys trying to kidnap, uh, uh, kidnap 
uh, Joanna. Yeah. Dude, that was awesome. Like the fact that he it shot creative the guy, too. It was creative. Yeah. They shot him with, with coins. Yeah. I see. And that's why another thing I liked about this movie is little things. Little that, things like that. That are interesting. Like the news reading, like using dimes to fill in the, to shotgun, the, the shells. shotgun shells. Yeah. All right. Well, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everybody for listening. Please remember to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, also Patreon, patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Every single month, we offer additional Weird West radio discussions, including a special Spaghetti Western podcast called Spaghetti Western Corner, hosted by myself, as well as David from time to time, where I delve into a plethora of spaghetti westerns and i get into the nitty-gritty i geek out on that show i really (laughs) get technical i think we both do (laughs) yeah so head over to patreon.com slash rayman digital and pledge four dollars or more a month and gain access to all of those episodes there's so much there because you instantly gain access to the entire library the moment you pledge all right david thank you thank you and good night he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. <clears throat> you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs>